you're listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. Okay, it's episode 65 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by car maker extraordinaire Alan Schneider. <laughs> Alan, how many cars did you build today? Uh, uh, 500 maybe. So, no, yeah, close to 500. In my lifetime, I've probably built, I don't know, 20 million, I'm guessing. And it's it's bizarre because I really don't know much about cars. I got to be honest with you, but I know how to assemble them. So, Are you being serious uh, about the 20 million? If it's not 20 million, it's at least 16 or 17 million. Yeah, probably. Well, well at least half that. There's two shifts. So let's say I did 8 million. It's, I'm not surprised. Definitely. And I'm still walking. I'm still walking and talking. Did you build a car from scratch? No, I'm not. Again, I'm not very sharp uh, with cars. I'm really not. Anybody who knows me will tell you that. However, assembling them and seeing how the process works is a different story. And once you get the the idea of how they're made, yeah, it's you. You know, you can figure it out. Of course, I don't have the tools and stuff. So, but uh, you'd be surprised. It's like putting a puzzle together. It's like putting a pick five together. It's one giant puzzle. And once you figure out the key, it all comes together. I got you. Well, speaking of pick five, uh, one of our buddies and a previous guest put together a really outstanding ticket. We're going to have him on a little bit later. Uh, that's Rob Benefield. But right now, we're going to talk to another friend of ours and to discuss a humongous weekend of horse racing at Saratoga and at Ellis Park. And we're going to bring on Dan Cronin, the chairman and CEO of FatBallGuyRacing.com. Dan, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. I'm really excited about the weekend. I, I think Ellis has got a tremendous card, and so does Saratoga. I, you know, Saratoga's fields are a little short early, but, you know, other than the Whitney, the, the late races are really tough. So I, I think the pick four, pick five could pay something, and I'm, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, the Ellis card is is uh, is good. Uh, they, they've yet to draw the Sunday card. There's going to be uh, maybe three or four more $100,000 stakes races. Uh, that that money that comes from Kentucky Downs uses is being used to uh, fund these purses. So uh, a really good, exciting weekend and a preview of the Kentucky Downs meet that's coming up. But uh, Dan, why why aren't you going to Saratoga this year? Well, it's weird. I, I was planning on it, and the four guys that I normally fly with all canceled one by one. I can't go for this reason or that reason. And I was like, you guys got to be kidding me. I'm not going to fly there by myself. And then, you know, of course, all the guys up there are like, just come, just come. And I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't want to travel all that way by myself. And so then a buddy, another buddy of mine that went up with me uh, probably five, six years ago, a few times was like, well, me and three guys are going Travers week. If you want to tag along, I'm like, well, I'll just go Travers week then I'll tag along with you guys. So, so I just switched. That's it. Okay. So you are going, that's good. I I, I wasn't sure. So that's, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're getting to go then. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, before we get down to business here, let's uh, let's do a little pleasure first. Uh, basketball season is what now? Three, two. Well, practice starts maybe in two months, I think, or something like that. Season starts in three months. Uh, what can you tell us about UCLA? Well, they got every single player back. <laughs> so, I mean, every player that that took them to the Final Four is back. They got uh, one of the top 10 players in the country that 
Reminds me a little bit of Tracy McGrady, 6'8", 6'7", played on the U.S. 19 and under team. Uh, that's going to fit right in with them. And then they got two other freshmen that are really good. And, and they got, uh, I don't know how much you guys follow the Big Ten, but Rutgers starting center, who was a fifth-year senior named Johnson, transferred out there uh, to go to grad school out there. The guy's a 4.0, just brilliant, brilliant kid that, it's already been offered a half a million by IBM to start working there. So <laughs> they don't even want him to go on and play pro sports. They want him to go straight to IBM. That tells you yeah. how brilliant that kid is. Wow. And uh, wow. so, so they, yeah, so they had four pieces to a team that was already in the final four and everybody's back. So it's an exciting year for sure. No injuries. And hopefully they can get to the season. He beefed up the schedule. They got, they got Villanova early. Gonzaga and Vegas early. They got North Carolina in Vegas. They're at UNLV a couple days after that, uh, which will have 20,000 people if they're allowed. Uh, so that's a tough road game. Then they go to Marquette, play in front of another 20,000 people. So they're going to get tested early for sure. A lot of hey, pressure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pressure, I'm sure, this year. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you go from being the hunter that nobody thinks can win it to now you're the hunted. So we'll. We'll see what happens when you're the when you're the the team that's got the sold out arena at you every every night and stuff. You know, last year was so weird. You're playing every game, at least in the Pac-12, every game they played in front of nobody. Uh, there was only a couple schools that even allowed you know relatives in. You know, where the Big 12 was allowing three four thousand fans in the Pac-12. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to go to the games at UCLA. Nobody was in there wow. at, at Pauley. Nobody. My dad wasn't even there. Nobody. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a shock to finally get to see him play in the tournament because because we hadn't been allowed to go all year. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting because you know his first year there they only averaged about four or five thousand fans, and I kept telling everybody, you guys call yourselves a blue blood, you can't have four or five thousand fans at a game. Go down go down to Rupp Arena and and see how many people are down there. I don't care if they're good or not. <laughs> you got to yeah. pack the place. So we'll. We'll see if they pack it this year. The excitement's there, and they say they will, if they're allowed to, at least. You know, Dan, actually, I was going to actually ask you that a little bit. Though. Two things I want to ask you about the basketball before we get started. One, I was going to ask about the atmosphere at Pauley. I know what it's like out here in other arenas and stuff, but I was wondering uh, what the attendance was like in a non-COVID year at Pauley, and you said four or 5,000 more this year. I mean, UCLA has the tradition that they should be bringing in more of a crowd than that. I'm assuming they're going to. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was, you know, mixed first year. They weren't very good until the end of the year when they caught fire his first year. And the last two games that I was out there, Arizona, Arizona State, they had like 11, 12,000. But I got to be honest with you. I mean, I go to UC games. I've been to Louisville games. I've been to Kentucky games. I'm used to screaming and yelling and jumping up and down and having fun. And so is everybody in the arena out there. They just sit and watch the game. That's right here. That's right here. I, it's unbelievable. I stood up the first game he ever coached. It was tied in the middle of the second half, probably, I don't know, maybe 50 to 50 with like 10 minutes to go. We stole it and dunked it. And I jumped up and screamed and yelled defense, get down, let's play defense. And the entire section turned and looked at me like I was drunk, like I did something <laughs> wrong. I, I looked around like, what is wrong with these people? And then after the game, this is funny, guy comes up and taps me on the shoulder and I looked over and I'm like, oh, my God, that's a movie star. And I couldn't place his name. And then it hit me. I, I was like, that's Mike Warren from Hill Street Blues. Yes, <laughs> he played there. He played at UCLA, didn't he? Yeah, I so think he, he did. Yes, he was. He was a guard back in the 60s at UCLA. And he says to me, he says, son, you got to calm down. 
<laughs> no, no, no. And I no. just started laughing. I said, "Hell, I was on my best behavior tonight. I mean, we won by 20. I wasn't even that. I wasn't even that into it." He goes, "Oh boy." He's like, "You're gonna have to get used to the West Coast." I was like, "Oh boy." Wrong like, you guys, I said, "You guys are crazy." I said, "You just sit there and watch the game like it's some pro arena, and you know they're just there to be seen." Yeah, you look across the floor, and the Jenners are there, the Kardashians are there, uh, Drake's there, and it's like you know it's a happening thing, but nobody cheers; they all just sit there. Hey, uh, you know, you know, I'm a Kentucky fan, but uh, everyone knows that. But my team was an absolute and embarrassing train wreck last year, which I'm still pissed off about it. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mince words. I'll give them credit when they get credit, and I'm giving get on when they get on them. Last year was a train wreck. The the good news for you guys is you got one of our castoffs who we should never let go. And Johnny Jazang turned out to be from an absolute role player that Cal would get away into an absolute star. Uh, what do you think he's going to be doing? This? He's got to be all American potential now, right? That we let get away. Yeah, I think. And, and the thing that people don't realize is he should have never been at Kentucky. He didn't take his senior year of high school. Right. So he, he accelerates gets to Kentucky a year early, well, of course he's probably going to struggle a little bit, you know, and then I, I don't understand why coaches do that unless they're going to play him because they did the same thing with the point guard who struggled like crazy and then just left and went where to Texas. I yeah. mean, when you do that, the kids are not, they're not ready to, to be at Kentucky. You know, you, you, he can, can accelerate and go play at Cincinnati or Xavier, but you, you can't accelerate and go play at the top three or four schools in the country. It's just it's too hard to do. And then they struggle. They get down on themselves. And, you know, being from the West Coast, immediately he wanted to come home, you know, so he comes home. And I saw him shoot the first few practices when I was out there. And I was like, well, this kid don't ever miss. I mean, he wins every single shooting drill. I was like, well, all he's got to do is do that in the game, and he's going to be a really good player. Well, then he got his confidence going, and it took him a while now. It took him a good two months before he finally, about first part of February, every shot started to go in, and then they started running every play for him, and that's when his scoring average went through the roof. But, I mean, he's he's a really, really – if he don't play in the NBA, I will be shocked the way the NBA is now. Because all yeah. you got to do is stand in the corner. He's legit six six and a half in his bare feet. So he's not six seven real when he's really six four. He's six six and a half barefoot. So you know all he's got to do is stand in the corner, make forty percent of his threes, play defense, and he's going to play in the NBA for twelve years. So yeah, well we're we're happy for him. I'll be honest, almost like we lived vicariously through John last year because we didn't want him getting away. He got away, and we were just thrilled to see him have the season he did. We we're thrilled for you too, Dan, and Mick, and all the guys and stuff. But I'm glad Johnny has found a home out there. Everything worked out well for him, and we're happy for him. It's funny how all the horse racing guys root for Mick because they know he owns horses. They know me. And it's like, well, that little bit of a connection. I mean, I got guys in Canada rooting for us. You know, they're, they're like, That's oh my right. God, it was so fun to root for you guys. And it's like, well, it's because you know, horse race, horse race community. We may yell at each other, but we want us all. Everybody wants each other to win for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, you are indeed right, sir. Hey, Dan, tell us about Fatball Guy Racing. Yeah, we it's, we're uh, into our eighth year now. Uh, COVID did knock us back a few steps, but you know, we've got over 200 members and we're going strong and, uh, you know, it's fatballguyracing.com. We give out picks Wednesday to Sunday. We've got anywhere from five to eight tracks and, you know, we never let price stop anybody. I have never, ever, ever 
told somebody, you know, you either pay this or you're out. You know, that's just not the way we operate. We like having guys part of our group. And, you know, if you're a small player, I don't want to take all your money. We work it out and, and get you part of the group. I mean, in the WhatsApp, I mean, CC, you're on it. I mean, talk about a bunch of degenerates. But now, I mean, I feel like I'm friends with all of them. I got to check it every day to see what bet somebody's got going to, to try to root for them. <laughs> you know, because you know, they'll bet on everything. They bet on basketball, football, soccer. You know, Venezuelan soccer, <laughs> they're, they're, they're betting on NASCAR races. It's like, I got to turn on a NASCAR race to see if Brandon hits his bet. You know, it's like, oh, I got, I got, I got nothing else to do tonight. Might as well turn it off. You know, and it's like, you always got action, even Mondays and Tuesdays. I mean, these sickos are betting on parks and all this other stuff. My, oh my Lord. It's like, well, <laughs> give me, give me something to root for at least. So it's, it's fun. It's camaraderie. And, you know, we all get together when we can. COVID slowed us down a little bit. There'll be a bunch of them up there this weekend, and then and Travers, there'll there'll be a few more. So uh, it's fun to get around the country and see each other because you become friends, you know. And it's it's more than just uh, you know a, a piece of paper. Well, speaking of that group uh, group text, uh, one of the guys that's in that group, Chris Massero, has a horse entered at Ellis on Saturday, and it's Red Hornet or Anamia. And Red Hornets entered in the uh, the Dueling Grounds Derby preview, a mile and eighth on turf. So we're we're rooting for him. Hopefully he can get uh, have a little luck with that horse. I think this might be a prep for the big race at uh, Dueling at uh, Kentucky Downs next month. But uh, we're definitely rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. I just noticed that. Yeah, he and that horse has got a chance. I mean, twelve to one. But you know, I I don't think that favorite Royal Prince has to win. So it, right. it's uh it's definitely an interesting race that I. I can't wait for there's a horse in there ethical judgment that I've never been more mad in all my life at Keeneland that day when he got beat because I thought this horse couldn't lose six to five was stealing but of course none of us knew who Folsom was at the time you know now you look back and you laugh at yourself for being mad that we lost to Folsom but uh you know then of course he comes out and wins by three and a hand ride when none of us bet so (laughs) but You know, that's a tough field. I mean, ethical judgment's got a shot. Modern science has got a shot. Of course, a credit's got a big chance. So it's a wide open race. I like his chances to hit the board and move on. So that fifth race is the uh, the first leg of the late pick four. Uh, this is $100,000 stakes, nine furlongs. Uh, Alan, you, you like anything in this spot? Uh, I think he just mentioned the ones that, that, uh, that catch my attention. Ethical judgment. I think it's a really nice horse. Again, he mentioned the second of Folsom. Two two tries around that horse around that race. The horse airs, and I believe that's the one that tried the Ohio Derby last time. Is up? Yes. Yes. Made a nice middle movement. Made a huge move. I mean, you hear Ohio Derby, you don't think much. That that race had mask parade in it. That had uh, uh who else off the top of my head? King, King Fury. Keep in mind. King Fury. I mean, yeah, that's that is much greater than your ordinary Ohio Derby. And this horse bit into the race. So I think it probably goes through ethical judgment with a slight nod to modern science, who I've always been high on for Ian Wilkes and Land Darrells. Uh, that horse has talent. That horse is going to be really good. We'll see which one of those two I decide to go with that day. But I'm, I'm leaning ethical judgment over over modern science. But as Dan said, there's a couple other good ones in there. Yeah, I'm with Dan. Royal Prince doesn't have to win. He's the most accomplished horse in the race, I would think. Uh, especially on turf. I mean, he's hit hit the board in several stakes races. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, 
eight to five, I, and I think he probably will be close to that price, eight to five. I, you know, he he doesn't have to win. The the number seven is Gershwin. This is a half brother to Mystic Guide, who won the Dubai World Cup. Uh, I think his mother was really really accomplished on turf, but uh, I'm looking at the post uh, past performances. He's had three starts rained off the grass, which is uh, interesting in its own right. But uh, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, might have to to spread a little bit if I don't uh, if I don't sing with that ethical judgment. Yeah, because when you look at it, I mean, core values win two in a row, and he's going to be twenty to one. So yeah. the other six all fit. I mean, the, the first horse you might pitch is core value, and then you go, well, wait a minute, he's win two in a row on the turf, just win the Hatouf at eleven to one, and win at twenty eight to one and eleven to one. It's like, do you really want to pitch him, <laughs> or do you want to just say to heck with it and hit the all button, or at least take a bunch of them? That's a that's a tough race there, man. And interestingly well, enough, Rothfield Bay Hirano manages to get his way back. Has somehow found his way back into the Yellows Park. Good graces be riding of late. So, you know, we'll see how, how that works out. I guess he's going to ride. You just can't play patty cake with the fans. And that's what I understand. Yeah. A lot of guys getting in trouble with that stuff this week. Right. Absolutely. Especially in New York. But anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> going to race six, made special weight, six furlongs on the dirt. Uh, interesting placement of this race right in the middle of the pick five. I like a horse in here. I'm going to make a single. I'm not going to talk about it because you're going to have to buy the sheet from Fat Ball Guy Racing to know who I'm going to take here. But uh, uh, any of these horses stand out to you? Dan, we'll go to you first. Uh, what What do you like in race six? Or uh, well, how you know, you, you know, you know, I like one start horses. You know, that's one thing I've preached for. 15 years is if you can find me one start horses against a bunch of uh, horses that haven't run yet, I'm going there first. And I don't care what their prices are. When I look at the nine and the 11, Ian Wilkes was bet the two to one first time out. That tells me somebody thought something of this horse. He got dead left in the gate and just ran a flat race. Well, that's fine with me. I'd love buyer numbers around 45 to 55 for one start horses. Because it tells me that they ran okay, but they didn't go lights out. I mean, we don't know if this horse has a 75 in him or not, or her. I mean, that just that you just don't know because the horse got knocked around a little bit, came off slow, might have given him one, and nine to two is a great price. And then you look at Bernie Flint's horse, you know, same type thing, broke seventh, ran fifth. Now they didn't bet on this one at all, so you know he's going to be 15 or 20 to one, and you just don't know how good he is. So I would look at those two first and then, you know, the normal first time starters, you got the Asmussen horse that, you know, is working good has that sneaky gate work. You know, they put him in the gate and he goes, he goes 46 and four. Now uh, why he's not at Saratoga or why she's not at Saratoga. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, cause most of his good ones are up there and then you got the Larry Jones, uh, that's got a, you know, one, two, three straight, the, for people that don't know on this coast, a B for breezing is usually not as good as the H for handily. Well, on the West coast, it's the opposite. It, it mm. makes, it makes no damn sense at all. But when you see at Ellis park, H H H three straight works, you, you got to open your eyes and go, well, wait a minute. Why are they giving this horse an H three straight works? So I would look at that Larry Jones horse too. And, and that's probably where I would stop unless unless CC knows something I don't, and I'll be looking at the sheet. 
Well, yeah, you make a good point on the, uh, on the number 10, Mrs. Nushi. I'm looking at the pedigree of that one right now. I don't, that mare has not produced a whole lot and you're out of a, or you're by a, a, a marginal sire, well, less than marginal sire in Mark Valeski. I, I, you know, the, those are the types that I, I, I have no idea what to do with. Yeah. I mean, you don't, and then you somehow Landeros takes the mount and it's like, well, geez, 31% rider at Ellis takes the mount. I don't know what this clocker's thinking. Maybe it's a West Coast clocker and he flipped the B and the H. I don't know, but I mean, 35 and four is pretty daggone good. And then the 115 is just okay. And the minute you did, that's not really telling you a whole lot. So, I mean, if you're going to spread though, that that's the kind of stuff that leans me to just say, just put him on the ticket. If the number 13 draws in, that's not so close for Norm Cassie and David Cabrera. That horse, uh, has a 47 and one gate work and that, that one got the handily designation too. But this is another one that comes from a family. That's just so, so, uh, I know this, this Philly hails from the family of Birdtown who won the Kentucky Oaks several years ago, but, uh, the, the family hasn't produced a whole lot on the flip side though. Norm Cassie's won with a lot of two-year-olds this, this summer. So yeah. I'm kind of yeah, hoping this doesn't draw in. Yeah. If you've got a single, you don't want that one drawing in for sure. No. No. <laughs> All right, Alan, you like anything in here? I'm with Dan. It's uh, it's blame the champagne for me, Ian Wilkes. Uh, I, I, he, he mentioned last time the horse got bet down at 2-1 to one because somebody liked it. I was one of those people. I, I thought the horse was live last time, and I thought the horse ran okay. Uh, if memory serves, uh, down the lane, he made a little move late. I think he flattened a little bit, flattened out a little bit late because it looked like he's going to run second or third, or maybe I should say she. Uh, flattened a little bit late, but I think he had a little work to do uh, too much. So I think that kind of killed the kick. But, again, that's a very Ian Wilkes-ish type debut, to be honest with you. The money was there. I think the mid-race move to- told me that the horse did have some talent. And this is a horse, as Dan mentioned, that, that draws in against a lot of first-timers. There's some well-bred uh, horses with nice connections in here. But uh, I think the public will gravitate a little bit towards uh, Blame the Champagne. I'm going to. Uh, that's that's the one I like. And again, there's some other live firsters in here. They're very well could be Eddie Keneally's got one in here. Uh, Brenda Walsh, Adam Schitt's like a dolphin. That, those horses usually have a tendency to either flame out or run very well. That's the one I'm, I might keep an eye on the Dorothea. But at the end of the day, it's playing the champagne for me. Let's go to race seven. This is the the uh, Dueling Grounds Oaks preview. Mile and 16th on the grass, and the morning line favorite is from the Brad Cox Barn and the Dolphins, number four, Adventuring, five to two. That's a daughter of Pioneer of the Nile. She was last seen finishing fifth in the Teppan Stakes on closing day at Churchill, and it looks like a wide open event to me. Dan, how do you see this? Yeah, I think, what is there? Uh, there's nine of them. I think there's probably four that can win the two. And they're all together to me, the two, three, four, five. I, I, I know small players got to make decisions when you're betting pick fours. And if I, if you forced me to single a horse, I would single adventuring if everybody went in the race, because the one's going to go and the three's going to go. And I knowing Brad Cox, I would assume he's going to send that horse to make sure there's a solid pace. And I'm, I don't think he's going to tell her, tell uh, Garcia to just sacrifice everything, but, you know, you can't let the one just go walk. So I think that horse has to go. And then 
Venturing should be able to sit right in that next pack in the third, fourth, fifth area. And, and uh, obviously they want her on the grass because they put her in the tepin and now, and now right back into another one. So I, I think the horse is a pretty decent horse. I, I don't think, I don't think she's great, but I think she fits here. I think her numbers suggest she's probably a little bit better than these, um, but she has to get the trip where the five's going to come from the clouds. You know, if she's ready, she's going to come from way, way back, but she does like the win. So, you know, maybe she'll come flying at them. Uh, the three could win on the front end. And then the two is a long shot that I don't like horses that just broke their maiden. But when you're talking 10, 15, 20 to one, that doesn't really bother me that much because, you know, if I'm just going to throw them in on a ticket, you got turned back from a mile and a quarter, just win pretty easy. Uh, we'll be flying late if she flies at all. So um, that's kind of the way I look at it. Go ahead, Alan. Uh, he mentioned, well, Adventure is probably the one to beat. If, if Adventure runs the race that uh, she's run in the past, uh, if she runs at her potential, I think that's the one to beat. The two I'm going to focus on, one Dan mentioned, Flippant, Vicky Oliver, Rafael Bejarano, as just mentioned. He's overcome, hopefully he's overcome some of his troubles. But this horse impressed me twice, the t- two times I've seen it run. Uh, the opener at Keeneland, the horse come rolling down a stretch like a good horse. I think things didn't quite go well. Face a pretty good field at Churchill. Really got a chance to stretch her legs going a mile and a quarter. Uh, if you watch that race, on the back stretch, you knew the horse was going to win. She just started reaching, reaching, uh, opening up, really striding out. I think the horse is a pretty good horse. I'm always iffy when a horse goes back from a mile and a quarter to a mile and 16th. That's a, that's a tougher uh, gig than it appears. But I would have to have flipping on a ticket. But I think the one I'm most intrigued by – is Michael McCarthy's horse uh, charges dropped because first of all, this is lemon drop kid. The uh, the mayor, the dam is criminologist. This horse is completely bred for the turf, right? Criminologist was Shug McGahee, right? Stuart yes. Janie stable. That's right. This, yeah. This horse completely bred for the turf got going at Gulfstream. Sometimes those horses don't really uh, move on once they head North, but this is a trainer switch. McCarthy. So they, they must think they've got something halfway decent. Uh, you know, try this, try this little prep race at Ellis before they go down to Kentucky down. So charges drop intrigues me. I don't think any of these horses, I can't say any of these horses are going to win. I find them both intriguing outside of the favorite charges dropped and flip it. I think if you're playing state or uh, what's it called? Stable duel. Yeah. Stable, stable duel. Uh, you need to use flip it. Yeah, Agreed. Stable duel. a 10 to one. You can get that horse really cheap. If you and play. it's the kind of horse that does is going to make you points, right? It's going to make because it's not going to lose ground. It's going to be coming and stuff. Yeah. And that's the key to stable duel is not pick a speed horse that gets rocked by 45 lengths in a pace duel. So right, Ellis Park's the perfect track for stable duel because the morning line's so bad. Yeah, <laughs> very true. All right, so uh, last race on the Saturday card at Ellis, five and a half furlong turf sprint preview. And this is the, uh, to me, this is the toughest race on the card. And I'm looking for the, the morning line favorite right now. And this is uh, number six. Uh, Alan, why don't you take a, uh, take a take swing? A yeah. I don't have, I do not have the morning lines in front of me, but that's okay. I don't need that. What? We don't need, we've been doing this for a long time. We don't need morning lines, do we? At least. Oh, no, it's three to one. The, the horse is three to one. I just want you to pronounce the name of the horse. Oh, the three to one. Uh, let me tell you. Oh, that one, my 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 Bourneger, perhaps. 
Is that who you're talking about, Dallas Keen's horse? I, I think he know. was hoping you would say something else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my bone. Oh. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna try that. My, Alan, why don't you do? Why don't you do the honors and try to try to pick a winner out of this race? Oh, that's even harder. Uh, give me Born Great. Give me Born Great for Brendan Walsh. Uh, there's a few in here that I like. I like Great Attempt. I like Archie Dust. I'm sure a lot of people in here are going to like the same few horses. Uh, my, my Boner Goals, whatever the hell this horse's name is, uh, they all catch your eye. When it comes right down to it, you give me one, I'm going Born Great. Because uh, the last race... I think this horse got a wide trip. I thought he was live that day. The public did too. He was six to five. It's a pretty solid field. Chimney Rock was in that race. Chimney Rock did not fire for Mike Maker, but off the layoff, Anna Gaston did uh, for Lon Wiggins. Horse that horse has always been tough as nails at Churchill. And I think Anna Gaston got the inside trip. Um, Born Grace runs some big races. Anna Bashitza runs really, really well in turf sprints. All those add up to uh, me taking. What's the horse on the morning line? I'm guessing three to one, eight, seven to two. Eight to one. This horse is eight to one. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. well, then I'm definitively uh, taking Born Great, and I'll live or die on that hill. Well, and like CC said, the morning line, I mean, you have to be drunk to make the six favorite <laughs> over the 11. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't All you got to do is watch, you got to watch one replay, one replay, and you can't make that horse favored. Because the only reason he beat the 11 last time, Archidust, was because Archidust got eliminated at the start. As soon yeah. as they opened the gate, he, I mean, he went straight up in the air. He, he had no, I mean, for, the, for that horse to even get to within a half a length was an amazing run by the 11. Now, I don't know about the 11 hole, and I don't know about Cabrera and all that fun stuff, but Archidust deserves to be the favorite. Yeah, and, I th- yeah. and, I, and I think he will be. Um, and I think he's the horse to beat because he's going to sit right second or third on the outside and he's going to make his run. And, you know, if he gets there, he gets there. I mean, he's 10 for 22. So, I mean, I don't, I now born great. That's the price play. I agree with you. I, I that's the horse at eight to one. If you, if, if you're trying to not have a single and you want to take a few horses and I, I always tell my dad, I hate single and in the last leg of bets, cause I want to be able to look at those will pays and at least have one chance at money. You know, I don't want the two favorites. I don't want the favorite. I, I got to look up and say, oh, all right, if I get this eight to one home, you know, I can really nail it here. And I, I think he's the I think he's the horse right there because the six is going to get played. I don't really like anybody else. I don't think the four can win. I don't think the three can win. I don't think the two can win. No, I hate Gray attempt can win. Gray attempt could win. But uh, what where he is he? What, Mitchell Merle. Yeah, that's the eight or six to one morning line. Yeah, he's got a chance. And and the one, even though I don't like that horse, he's burned me so many times and I hate the rail. He's got a chance at least. I mean, I I don't know why you would would ride the kid in this. I mean, I know it's your relative and all that, but why would you ride a why would you ride the kid in this stake race when you get nothing for it? I mean, that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but. Um, you know, if you, I guess Silverton Hill, let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> this horse is turn time on burn on born great. That when this horse is ready, this horse likes to come off short layoffs off short layoffs. The horse fires. He's coming off a short layoff and the horse, they punch the gas in the turn. This horse, 
this horse tries to open up on the turn. Didn't happen last time because he got the wide trip against Anagas, and there is no way Born Great's going to be eight to one. I'll take that all day long. I'm going to give you a horse just to keep an eye on. CM Reap. I bet you what yeah. you're going to say, right? Yes. Uh, I was actually watching that. I bet that race for some reason. Uh, July 11th in Lone Star gave this horse no shot. He was coming off a two-year layoff, and he's never sprinted before. And he, he, I think he had a perfect trip. He just exploded through between horses, and I thought he won the race. It turned out he lost the photo to XY Speed. But uh, Terry Brennan is a very capable trainer. He's been around a long time. He's just got kind of got back into the game here in the last two years. That that horse, uh, he might be okay in this spot. You might that hmm. might be a horse you need to to throw in. Oh, it's a perfect long shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, had him at 35 to one at Churchill a couple of years ago, so I'm pulling for the horse from the sun. Well, that's that that race was only four races ago, and that's that was in 2019. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. But this, yeah, this, this horse he he may be okay. Just uh just keep an eye on him. I don't know if he'll win, but he he's got a shot to get part of it. Don't throw him out. Um, now let me tell you my morning line story at Ellis Park. We're, we're talking about bad morning lines. This has been going on for a long time, and Back during the year that uh, the summer that Run Happy started uh, making his presence felt, I mean, he was like his third start. He just wanted Indiana Downs or Indiana Grand, and he shows up at Ellis and he's twelve to one on the mor- in the morning line in an allowance race I at Ellis. That. I yeah, remember I, that. I wrote uh, Ron Geary. Ron Geary was the owner uh, of Ellis at the time. I wrote him an email. I said, you know, everybody's making fun of your track because the morning lines are so bad. And I I never dreamed that he would actually read the email, but he he forwarded it to the racing secretary. And one afternoon the the racing secretary called me and and asked me what you know what, what my concerns were. And I said, well, I mean the it, the morning lines are a joke. And he said, well, part of the reason for that is uh, some something to do with Equibase. When the entries are drawn, like the entries for Friday are drawn on a Sunday morning. The echo base requires that the morning line be in within like six hours of, of the day it was drawn. So the guy that makes morning line was also the, the paddock judge, you know, the guy that says the rider's up. So in between races, this guy's got to make the morning line oh. in between races for oh. Friday and Saturday. Uh, he's got to have them in by Sunday afternoon, which, uh, and so the, the racing secretary asked me if I wanted to do the morning line. I was like, I don't know about that. I think I'd rather <laughs> watch the races. So I, the, the morning lines continue to be awful, but I think there's a valid reason for it. And I, I still, I hate that, but I think it's an Equibase fault more than anything. But, but it's funny that that, that that happened because I, I was involved in some stuff up at Turfway with similar things going on when people kept saying, like this was three years ago. They said, well, you know, Mike Vitaglia does the morning line. I said, no, he doesn't. And they're like, well, yeah, he does. I was like, no, he doesn't. Turfway can tell you that all they want. But I'm telling you, he doesn't do them. Well, they finally investigated it. And the general manager didn't even know that he had retired. He had allowed his son to do the morning line. Well, then his son got a new job in some kind of business world. Didn't have time to do it. Had a buddy of his doing it. So now <laughs> it's not Mike, it's not his kid, it's another guy who's doing the morning line. I mean, they had morning lines, 15 to 1s going off 6 to 5, 20 to 1s going off 2 to 1, and it was every night. 
And I was like, who, who is doing these morning lines? And they kept saying, well, Mike Pataglia. I was like, no, he's, there's no way. He's been in the business 30 years. There's no way he's doing these morning lines. But we finally got to the bottom of what was going on. And, and Mike actually, you know, quietly behind the scenes took it back over because it was becoming an embarrassment. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And, that and you wonder how many different tracks this goes on. You know, because right. they because they don't have the money, they don't have anybody to pay. I mean, hell, Saratoga was going through hell for a while. We were all screaming until they finally got that worked out. Well, you uh, you remember a couple of years ago, Dennis's moment coming off the maiden when uh, yep. it was an allowance when it was twelve to one in the morning line went off four to five at Ellis, and that yep. was the favorite for the Breeders' and won by nineteen lengths. Yeah, and that was the favorite for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That's one of the most famous morning line mishaps in history. But I'm sure CC's alluding to there. And I That's wonder, a, I still to this day wonder if they did the Dennis moment thing on purpose. Maybe. It got me, it got me playing. <laughs> yeah, because everybody saw that and was like, oh, well, and you know what? That gets back to our buddy from, from New Jersey to, to keep him silent his name with the fixed odds. You know, if yeah. fixed odds comes in, all of a sudden the morning lines become a lot more important. Yeah, I agree. You're right. Because because I've made a couple bets here over the last month through a guy, through a guy, that whole thing that's got an account. And I mean, I've gotten three and a half to one on three to fives. I've gotten two and a half to one on horses that went off one to five. And I'm like, hey, if, if we keep doing this all day long, I mean, unless you just can't pick and you can stay disciplined, I mean, your ROI should go flying up, you know, because I mean, how many times do we look at morning lines? especially with favorites or, or horses that are two, three to one that you're like, Chad Brown, five to two. Well, there's no way he's going off five to two. He'll be six to five. Well, if right. you can lock, if you can lock in five to two, I mean, I got Jackie's warrior at six to five, but there was no way she was, he was going off six to five. Right. I mean, to so, me, that's the right play just as much as it is to go find value at five and six to one on horses on, on, you know, on a regular mutual, uh, a bet. You know, if you can if you can lock in rates, if you can lock in stuff. I mean, my God, I mean, that that's the future of horse racing. If it ever hopefully it gets worked out, and it doesn't just stay offshore. And in, I think it's in New Jersey and then offshore. And that's pretty much it. I'd love it. I'd love it. Before we uh, turn our attention to Saratoga, I will add one more thing. This is my last plug for Fat Ball Guy Racing. I've, there's a horse on the undercard that I absolutely cannot wait to bet. I, I hate it that it's it's early in the card. I, I was expecting this horse to come back at Kentucky Downs. I, I'm I'm going to uh, bet with both hands. Uh, and but uh, to find out, you'll have to go to FatBallGuyRacing.com. So I hope I hope it's the same one I like in the first. On to and Saratoga. <laughs> On to Saratoga, guys. Let's go. Oh, I know um, who it is. <laughs> uh, let's it is. talk. It's a big card. I love this card. Uh, I love these big days at Saratoga. I mean, it's uh, yeah. The, the late pick five is just unbelievable. Uh, it's going to be. I think looks fairly difficult. I haven't looked at it too hard, but uh, I mean, the eighth race starts off with a test. I, I know we. Did, did anybody got anything they want to talk about in the test stakes? Well, Just so that's impossible. Uh, I, there's four or five horses I like in here. Of course, uh, close to my heart is Super Sensationals in this race, who uh, led me to a, a heck of a day a couple of weeks ago. And Super Sensational, I mean, just destroyed that field last out. However, that was Super Sensational completely outclassed that field. Ignore the odds. That was not a good race. 
and the horse went by those horses and a couple didn't fire on top of it. So as much as I love this horse, as much money as this horse made me, I would give a touch of an asterisk to that because uh, the, the numbers may be inflated because I think he beat nothing. And it's, and you also add that Flavian Pratt uh, leaves him to go to the Chad Brown horse, uh, always Karina. So do I have this horse that I really like in here? No, I, I would have to use four or five. And there's Sertral's Ultras, always Karina. They're super sensational. Horse on the outside. Nothing strikes my – I'll be pulling for super sensational, but I think it's a pretty good a version of the test. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I Search results is probably going to be eight to five, and she doesn't have to win. No, agreed. Exactly. I mean, she looks good, but she's picking up weight, and she's been off. I mean, the greatest angle at Saratoga so far is Castellano off. So you get Castellano off, you get <laughs> you get Irad back on. I never dreamed I would say that five years ago. I thought he was the best rider in the world five years ago. Um, but I mean, they're all winning. So I I, I just don't think. I either look at races, especially in pick fours and fives, is it a single or is it a race I want to go really deep? And I think this is just a race you got to go really deep because uh, making mischief can win. You know, turning back going to be a obligatory. Obligatory. I forgot to mention obligatory. Yep. Yeah, I mean, she's. I mean, you got to have her on your ticket. I mean, I mean, she almost won and got no pace at all to run at in the Acorn. So now one turn monster. Gonna, one turn monster. Yep, she's going to be flying at the end and. I mean, always Karina, I don't know. I mean, she's going to sit up on that pace. And Illumination, even though she can't win, is going to destroy all the speed. Because she's got the only way to go is she's got to get sent from the rail. So she's going to send this race in 44, 44 and change. And it should set it up for all these monsters to come flying. And I don't know which one's going to come flying. But uh, I think, you know, super sensational at a big price. Uh, Zazil's got a chance. Obligatory's got a chance. Make Mischief's got a chance. I'm going to take a bunch of them in here. I, I just think you got to. What do you do? I, with, what do you do with Baffert on the rail? That's Bob Baffert on the rail with Illumination. I know you're not going to use her, but uh, it's still Baffert. I know, and you you're just kicking yourself if, if that filly goes wire to wire at, yeah. at ten to one. And I, I guess don't know. I mean, I I guess she could. I. Coming out of a maiden race, I, uh, <laughs> I, I just, well, it, it took her a while to break the maiden, but then she got Lasix and blinkers, and that and that's that was the key course was one to five, but uh, it, but she draws a rail here against some really really tough fillies, so you know I don't know I, I, I don't know yeah I, I'm kind of like Alan I mean Baffert was banned from Belmont or from New, from New York, and this is the filly that he chooses to ship in. Exactly. I, I, I just I think it's food for thought. I, I don't know. Use it and hope it loses. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If I hit the all button, I'll be rooting for when they turn for home. <laughs> so uh, Saratoga's late pick four starts with race nine, the Saratoga Derby invitation of one million dollars mile and three sixteenths on the grass. And boy, this is a this is a juicy race. I don't know who in the world would be the favorite. I'm going to assume that Bolshoi Ballet. Will probably be the, oh, the, I would imagine, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but this race is uh, very, very interesting, uh, Dan. What, uh, what are your initial thoughts on the Saratoga Derby? I think you got to take all the foreign horses and just hope you get the the right price. Uh, 
you know, I, that's one good thing about fat ball guy racing is we do get information because we work our butts off and there's, there's so many of us trying to get some and, and we get great information from the Clement barn. Now, I don't know if it's a yes or no yet on the one soldier rising, but just staring at that horse, how do you not have that horse on your ticket? I mean, I know he's, he, he has not run in a graded stake, but it, but it is France. They bring this horse over here. I mean, how in the world are you going to leave this horse off? Two, two for two for four, four for four, one, two. I, I got to have this horse. And why would I rad ride this horse? He doesn't ride. He doesn't ride for Clement unless, you know, they know something. They've got to know something for him to take that mount. I mean, at least in my opinion. And then, you know, you got uh, Cadillac. You know, came over here for the uh, for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and then one started out going a mile and a quarter. He wins at two to one. You know, now ships overseas. Foley comes to ride. I mean, he's, the horse is three for six. The horse was you know six to one in the Breeders' Cup. I don't know how you leave Cadillac out. I I don't. I wouldn't. I would not take any American horses. That's that's the way I would play this race. I, I would just. Go right down. If you're if this horse ran four or five times in America, he's out. He's out. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that's the way I would play this race. I would just say every all the Euros, I'm gonna start dwindling it from there. Yeah, it's interesting to me. So Rosario's not riding for Clement. Arad takes that mount. Flavian Pratt flies in to ride Saratoga on uh, Saturday. He doesn't he's a turf jock. Does not have a mount in the Saratoga Derby. That's, that was so interesting. You know, Julian Leperu's got a mount, uh, but Pratt does not. Uh, Alan, uh, who, you like you know, have any initial thoughts here on the uh, Saratoga Derby? Yeah, when watching the the prep for this race a few weeks ago when Bolshoi Ballet won, uh, the majority of people felt I was one of them too that of the two um, Aiden O'Brien horses that won that day, Bolshoi Ballet and Santa Barbara. Bolshoi, Bolshoi Ballet was not as flashy. At Santa Barbara, and so coming into this race, once the PPs, uh, my intent was to try to beat Bolshoi Ballet, uh, probably a short number. But I think, yeah. but the more I look at the pay, look at the race, I'm leaning to the fact that maybe that was Bolshoi Ballet was not completely cranked up that day because I don't think this race is as overly deep as it would that you might want it to be. So I think Bolshoi Ballet is the one to beat in here. I think you might see a better effort. Last time was a little more workmanlike. So I'm leaning that way. If I'm not mistaken, though, Charles Appleby's in this race, and Charlie yeah. Appleby is—you're going to look at the—you're look at the 2021 stats. He's two for five in this country. That's a misnomer. Uh, he's had—I don't know who the fifth horse is, but he's run uh, a Tika uh, in Summer Romance uh, one, two, twice. They've ran one, two, twice in this country. So that two for five is almost like a four for five for me. The horses he brings over fire. So yep. if I had to use a second horse in the win, and I would use Appleby, even though this horse looks like he's a bit outclassed, I may not, I think it's as good as those other two, but Appleby, how do you leave Appleby out of there? You know, the way his horse is run this country. So the way I would play this race, I would either a single Bolshoi at ballet, or I'd probably use two. I'd probably use Appleby as well. And then I, vertically, this race, I would look at vertically um, to play because the way I see it, I like doing that and envision how I can play a superfecta. I like Bullshot Ballet to win or at least run second. And I and I touted this horse a little bit last time. I don't think he ran that well. 
But I can see Palazzi from Mark Cassie, who got no pace to run at last time, slightly rough trip, is nowhere near the caliber of these top horses in this race. But his late kick has impressed me uh, at times this year, and I don't think he got the best trip last time. Give me a super effective play with Palazzi on the bottom of the super and Bolshoi Ballet 1-2. That's what I'm going to look at uh, vertically. That'll be my uh, vertical play of the day. Nobody mentioned King Fury. I thought this was an interesting entry. Yeah, they, I, I don't know what to do with the horse. They bypassed the, the Jim Dandy last weekend for this spot. I'm sure they're prepping for the Travers. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting. Is the, is, are they hoping for rain or something? It's just really Maybe. Yeah, it's horses really and bread strange. for turf on top of it. Uh, you it's know what? Now, you know, now that I think about it, uh, McPeak is just now getting getting to run his horses, right? That's the, it. He yeah. needs somewhere to run it. He needs somewhere to run the horse, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, you're probably giving this horse a start and then see what he can do in the Travers. Yep. Uh, race 10 is the Whitney, mile and eighth, million dollars. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great races on the racing calendar. Now, the, the race came up light in terms of numbers, but the five horses that do show up are really, really strong. This is a great rendition. The only, Probably the only horses that are missing maybe are Latruska, the mayor and uh, Mystic Guide and maybe Max Player and Express Train, who's probably going to run the Pacific Classic. But I mean, you you've got probably four of the five best older, well, four four really good older horses, and then by my standards, who's who finished second in the race last year. But uh, uh, Dan, uh, initial thoughts on the Whitney? Yeah, my my thoughts on the Whitney were I only think two horses can win. I I don't think the one, two, or three can win. I I just don't. I mean, I know there'll be people trying to get prices, but by my standards, it's just a cut below to me. Silver State has not been tested at this at this level going this distance. I thought the Met Mile was extremely weak Met Mile, yes. and, mischie- and mischievous Alex proved it by coming back and not running a step the other day. Um, Swiss Skydiver, hell, I love her to death, but she's not. I don't think she's – I just don't – now – Alvarado Ortiz, obviously that's a monster switch, but I just don't think she's, I, I, I try to envision the race. I got Knicks go three in front and then what's going to happen in behind. I, I think with the post position, uh, Maxfield's going to be able to just sit three wide, follow that horse into the turn, you know, sit probably third or fourth, make his move on the outside. And it's, 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 it comes back to the the race when Blame ran down the Pletcher, uh, was that about 10 years ago, uh, where everybody went to Quality Road thinking Quality Road would go wire to wire and Blame ran him down. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think Nick's go is going to go. I think that he's going to be all out to try to keep going. And I think Maxfield will run him down in the last furlong. That, that's my opinion. Alan, uh, there has been some Phillies that have won this race in the past. The, the two that top of my head are lady secret and personal ensign back in the 80s mm-hmm. that's true right. swiss skydiver any chance uh, she can uh, she can beat the uh the formidable top two of nick's go and maxfield well i tell you what I, I would love to see it happen and as dan said there's there's a bit of a monster jock switch there i mean you know no offense to anybody but that is that's about as big a jock switch as you can get in a top level race i'd love to see it i i'm not going to take swiss skydiver as many times i've probably picked swiss skydiver uh, because it's not just that she's running against males. She's running against two kick-ass males. 
and uh, that, that that's that's a tall order. That's a tall order because uh, she's slightly underperformed this year on top of it too. Not that she may not be ready for a peak effort, but uh, it's in the race makes it even that much more interesting. Let's put it that way. Um, I, Dan, I, I actually I tend to agree with Dan. I think Maxfield is probably the one. I think he's actually second choice in the morning line, isn't he? Yeah, I'm not mistaken. Okay. But uh, uh, yeah, of course, I'm going to throw in some puns and some stupid puns here. So I'm going to warn y'all ahead of time. Uh, so uh, don't embarrass me in front of Dan, please. Oh, I, I can't help myself. I can't. I am who I am. But uh, since I'm going to be taking bullshit, I'm going to go contrary. I'm not. This is by no means do I think I'm going to hit this because I'm going to probably single bullshit Bel Air go no more than two deep. In the Whitney, I want to dance with somebody who is going to be a price uh, because I'm going to single, and I'm going to try. You saw what I did there, but it's, it's I'm sorry, but it's my prerogative. Yeah, yeah. It's my prerogative yeah. to go contrary here. I'm take by my standards and follow me on this, okay? By my standards, on her best day, almost on his best day, almost hangs with these horses. Almost, it's never quite proven to be as top level as, as the top two. But the horse tailed off in the fall of last year a little bit. Seems like he's starting to round back a little bit. Mile and eighth is his best diff- best distance. He's going to be overlooked on the tote board in comparison to what the top two are going to be at. And if I'm singling earlier with a with a with a chalky type horse, the ten to one to buy my standards might get me might play much bigger in a multi race wager. It's not going to cost me a heck of a lot. I'm looking as more of an economic play. But I'm going to go outside the grain a little bit, knowing that I believe Maxfield's the one to beat. Not saying that he's not, nothing against the top two. I'm going to try to buy my standards at a price. And so, I know. Probably gonna so how, how will you play it? Will you take him and Maxfield and, and try to pitch maybe Nick's go and just use those two? Or, or, or well, are you just going to take I would do, What I would do is because I haven't looked at the entire sequence, thought through the whole sequence yet. But if I single um, – um, Bolshoi Ballet or go too deep. I don't want to use all three of them because I'm betting against myself too much at that point. Right. So I would probably do one ticket where I cover myself in the other race and just go by my standards. It's not going to cost me a lot. It's not going to cost me a lot. Many units. If I go too deep, I've got a little leeway at that point and it blows things up if it were to come in. And then if I, I go back into a second ticket, I might add Maxfield in there too and maybe press it a little bit harder. So that's kind of the way I see it. I want to just, I know in these races where everyone, there's two horses are six to five, seven to five. If you can go outside the box just a little bit, it, uh, for the risk that you're taking, the reward outweighs it. So that's why I'm, that's the way I'm thinking. That said, I think the race goes through Maxfield. If that makes any sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. It just, cause it's all about how you're going to play your opinion. You know? Yeah. Play the opinion. And it's, it, it, it's a stretch. But because I'm I'm singling elsewhere, I want to take the contrary opinion here, knowing it's not going to cost me a heck of a lot of money. It's not going to cost much at all because I don't think I'm going to go that deep in the last race either. So what the hell, right? You lost me at that stupid pun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah. If I know more of Whitney Houston songs, there would have been more of them. <laughs> all right. Well, let's pick up the pace here for the last two races. Uh, race 11, nine furlongs. Option, allowance optional claimer on the dirt, and I think it may be Ugh. Empty Tomb might be the favorite. We don't have the morning line yet. I was thinking Empty Tomb might be a short price. Really? Uh, possibly. I don't know. Or Musical Heart or 
Yeah, maybe one of those two. Uh, guys, any uh, anything stick out to you here? Uh, I don't have a strong opinion. I was leaning to empty tomb, but I mean, it's it's nothing nothing hard. I mean, nothing nothing hardcore. Dan. No, I don't. I don't have any big opinion here either. Um, usually in races like this, I'll try to stick towards the inside to horses that are accomplished at a mile and an eighth. But I mean, Superfecto, risk taking, Danny California. I mean, they can all run. I just got. I got to zero in a little bit more. But Empty Tune will probably. I would think would probably be the favorite if he runs. I mean, he's entered in another race too. So oh, he is. He, he's entered August sixth, so he may not even run. I would add there's a lot of, there's some pretty, there's quite a bit of speed in this race. So, you know, I was leaning to empty tomb because he has the ability to maybe sit off the pace a little bit, but there's nothing strong for me. I was hoping Dan might uh, send me towards the winner. And then uh, race 12, five and a half furlongs on the outer turf course, the Millen turf course, Phillies and Mares, three and up. Uh, never won 15,000. This is an allowance race. Eight. This looks like a, uh, an A other than, uh, Boy, this is uh, – I haven't looked at this race very much. Oh, there's Miner's Queen. There's our, our buddy Ed and Susie Orr on mm-hmm. Miner's Queen. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll definitely root for them. Uh, she She's uh, come alive in her last two starts. Agreed, uh, agreed. The Aspies and Barn. Uh, 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 last shot to hit a winner on Whitney Day. Uh, Dan, anything, anything stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, Miner's Queen's got a big shot. I think the Wesley Ward's got a shot. Um, and then the horse, the horse that I would really look hard at, uh, would be Sussex garden. And, uh, I am a big believer in Delacour. I, I absolutely love him. Preach on player. brother. Preach on. Yep. And, uh, he saved my whole Derby weekend. We were getting killed until he, he went at, uh, with that magical attitude at $11 up at Belmont saved our whole weekend. We all just absolutely fractured that sequence and our and our guy Whitaker had him as a star play too so as soon as I saw star play and saw Delacour I said well guys I know it's not at Churchill but we're all betting so that that saved us but uh Sussex Garden turning back I mean he sprinted or she sprinted you know four to one wins in Ireland so we know she can sprint and uh blinkers on showed some pace last time this is a monster drop in class maybe they Maybe they just thought too much of the horse to, you know, to find out where she fit. And I mean, only got beat two lengths at 30 to one in a stakes race. So I, I mean, if she can run at all, I think she's going to sit close and be really, really tough. So I, if I only, if I was a small player and I said, I, I, I just want to get to the last race, I would single Sussex garden and then uh, look at the ward and look at the Asmussen as my other two. Yeah, I like that idea, Dan, with Sussex Garden, because the horse uh, pressed a 22-3 and three mile last time, and it's a turn back for Delacour. To me, I have to have that horse on my ticket. I don't want the morning line is on this one, but uh, I mean, I'm like you. Delacour is almost an automatic play for me if I see him in a race, uh, particularly on the turf. So uh, to me, I would have to have Sussex Garden. I would have to have time limit and risky mischief. Time limit is uh, one of his last two races. Uh, this, two of the three races he won this year in New York Company, in stakes, uh, State Parade Company. At the time he went to Open Company, he was going six furlongs on the turf with Luis Saez, who is as good as it gets. He gets Saez again today. Cut, just got caught at the wire, run third. Horse cuts back a half a length. You got Saez. You got to think Saez is going to send. So I have to have time limit. Again, that's maker. 
Maker's been hot. Saez is just perpetually hot. I'd have to have that one. I'd have to have Risky Mischief, who has run exceptionally well on the turf last fall. And there's no reason to think that the horse won't do it again this year. And I would might also include Bay Storm for Jonathan Thomas. Horse come off a layoff, but one is made in the right way. With the big number as a two-year-old, we'll see if that transfers to a three-year-old season. But the four I mentioned, Sussex County, Risky Mischief, Time Limit, and Bay Storm, I would I would have to have those. Maybe a slight lean to size as a source. All right. Uh, well, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. Such professionals. Such professionals. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, that's uh, that's all for uh, for Ellis and Saratoga on uh, on this Saturday. Uh, Dan, uh, we're very very happy to that you joined us and uh, you dropped a lot of knowledge on us. And uh, amen. Yeah, and uh, I I know that you like another horse on the Saturday card, and we're not going to give that horse out. But uh, if, if, if you want to find out uh, who this live horse is, I would go to fatballguyracing.com or, or email Dan or whatever and try to maybe uh, purchase a weekend or something like that and and, uh, and roll the dice. Uh, but uh, Yeah, we'll, then, be, uh, we'll be single in the fifth race. I can promise you that. Oh, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email him. I'm going to email him. There you go. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, once again, fatballguyracing.com. You can find them on Twitter, fatball, at, at fatballguyracing. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, One Dan, of the good guys. Dan's one of the good guys out there. There's no but, question about that. Yeah, uh, I can say for a fact he's very passionate about the game, and that's uh, that's that makes it more fun. That's for sure. So, uh, Dan, we're, we're uh, like I said, thank you for coming on, and uh, good luck this weekend. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. See you. That's Dan Cronin. Now let's rewind the clock to Monday evening when we had a conversation with our good friend Rob Benefield as he discusses his gigantic score in the cross-country pick five the previous Saturday. Enjoy. Well, yeah, I don't do Mondays and Tuesdays very well because I'm usually jonesing for some racing action. But uh, our, our, our guest, or uh, I'd say he's really jonesing for the next uh, pick five, pick four opportunity. That's Rob Benefield a former guest on the show who pretty much clobbered the cross country pick five on Saturday. And we're very, very happy to have him along. Rob, how are you doing? First of all, I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, Rob hit the cross country pick five on Saturday, which is a $1 minimum wager. And I think it's composed of three Saratoga races, a race from Monmouth and a race from Woodbine. And you hit this wager at the tune of how much? Uh, let's see. $53,398. Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's taken Twitter by storm. The the horse uh, horse racing Twitter is enamored with your ticket, Rob. Uh, just amazing, just amazing. I think Thanks, if you man. add up all my all my W twos from the last ten years, they don't add up to fifty three thousand. Oh, now he's being a little <laughs> silly there, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. What, what was your opinion on Essential Quality's effort? Did were you impressed by it? Was it something that maybe a lackluster effort? What was your thoughts? Uh, uh, bias free. What was your thoughts on Essential Quality's performance in the Jim Dandy? Well, I will preface this by saying I did have a parallel ticket in this cross country running running without EQ um, <clears throat> for the cross country for a 50 cent base. So, but I left Keep Me In Mind off. 
I, I was I only played three horses out of that field. Um, yeah, that's right. Doctor Jack Wayburn and Masquerade. I, I was I was being very contrary. Um, uh, kind of. Masquerade wasn't super contrary, but I, I did have a fifty cent parallel ticket running. Um, but man, whenever EQ fanned out four or five wide off the turn, I was like, oh good lord, come on, kick. Um, and and I, that had me worried. I was like, man, you got to go because I none of these other horses are going to close. In, it, get up here. I, I got to have EQ. And um, and then afterward, I mean, maybe later in the day or the next morning, I was reading on Twitter that um, the the extra distance that EQ uh, traveled was equivalent to four links. So it was a it was a pretty good victory. Um, for a horse that you know, was rumored to not be fully cranked, so and carrying extra weight, so hey, you know, it was a good win, that's for sure. I agree. Lost a lot of ground, and, and, and Saez, the way Saez rides this horse, uh, he he knew he was wide, he, and he's done it before, but it's like he was comfortable the whole way, and even down the stretch, there didn't seem like there was any panic. Keep me in mind, shot through on the inside. But uh, it's like he had it measured. He just knows how good the horse is. He's like, you know what? I can give up this amount of ground and still get there first. So it, the way size rides a horse is fantastic. I thought it was a good effort. When, yeah. when you were in the, the loss, the ground loss that it had, and I think it's a perfect setup for the Travers. So I have no with the effort. CC, you, pal? Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of figured keep me in mind was was going to – was laying for a good effort here. He had two monster bullet workouts. In, in the weeks leading up to the race, and Diodoro's been firing up at Saratoga, so I think uh, I think that was a good effort by Central Quality. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a throwback to Ali Sheba. I can I see he, that. He wins more than Ali Sheba, but uh, Ali Sheba was the type of horse that would grind out a victory. He, he never won by five or six lengths. He would always win by three-quarters of a length or a length, and uh, Central Quality's kind of cut from the same cloth. I like I like the horse a lot. And, I, yeah, he's going to be formidable in the Travers. I, I'm not sure who's going to line up against him, but I, I'm, I'm not scared of anybody uh, as far as uh, competitors are concerned. All right, last yeah, I, order of business before yeah. we get to the uh, to Rob's ticket, uh, Rob's big day on Saturday. We'll, we'll, we'll dissect that a little bit more. But uh, we got to throw some love out to our BFF, Michelle Lovell. Always. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on Monday. Today she won the DeHaas Stakes. With just Mike going five and a half furlongs, barely eking out a win in that hundred thousand dollar stakes. Uh, on Sunday, she finished third in the Royal North at Woodbine in Canada. Finished third. She was the beaten favorite there, but that was a hundred seventy five hundred seventy five thousand dollar Grade Three stakes. And then last week, I think she pulled off two wins at Colonial. Is that right? On Monday, and she would have probably would have had three because Just Mike was scheduled to run that day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, 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 the brain got the, the stakes got washed off. So she could have had a three bagger on Monday, but I'm sure she doesn't care as long as she got another stakes win for that horse. How can you not root for Michelle? How can you not root for just might? Uh, we're biased. We admit we're biased. We don't care. People probably get tired of hearing this shit. We don't care. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> Great job, Thanks. Michelle. Thanks oh, for Michelle. the tickets, Michelle. Appreciate yes. it. <laughs> she, she absolutely deserves all the credit. She, she's developed these horses the very beginning yes. and she she's done an excellent job and i mean she's got two really nice stakes winners in the barn of a, a barn of what maybe 20 22 yeah. head of horses i think that's about right and they yep. all run well they all compete they never 
They never fire bad shots, and she, and just might runs nonstop. It seems like, and she keeps the horse in form, keeps the horse shape, just keeps cashing checks. Real heck of an ATM for Miss Lovell with the yep. just. Yep, she takes care of her horses. Okay, so let's get to Rob's big day on Saturday, and we we've alluded to it several times already. Uh, first of all, Rob, how long have you been playing horses? Uh, April 2019 was when I started playing. <laughs> I, 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 I told I Rob he's a quick learner. <laughs> Rob is a quick learner. Um, I, yeah, I met my fiance in January, and of course, you know, we, we met in January of that year, and she took me to Keeneland for a Saturday, and I had a blast. And then we went to the Derby in May, and been going ever since. All right, so just for a little, uh, just for some reference, uh, I placed my first bet in 1988, 1989, maybe something like that. I think it's 88. I remember I, the, my first trip to the Churchill was when C Trek ran in the Jefferson Cup, and I said he couldn't be beaten. And of course, he finished second. But he, he, it was like the week after the Derby or two weeks after the Derby. But anyway, that's how long I've been wagering on horses. I've never even come close to hitting anything like this. <laughs> so very proud of you first of all thanks uh, man uh what uh why pick fives why why do you why do you go there uh for the i mean essentially for the parlay i mean you're not gonna win fifty three thousand dollars on a hundred dollar win bet you know I, I, you, you you can pound the window all you want with on win bets but you're never gonna you're never gonna get there and you I mean you can you can you can take a a pick four or pick five and you can set it up to press and only spend hundred and twenty dollars total for the day on one sequence and you can be sitting on a life changing score with with without with hundred and twenty dollars in bets. So it, that's why I do it. It's uh, and you know you're putting the puzzle together, right? That's one of the things that you hear some of the horse players talk about. I don't want to see anybody else's picks, or I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to know what you think. I want to put the puzzle together. Yeah, it's fun putting the puzzle together. I, I have to say that it's very enjoyable. Agreed. Who, who, in your short time betting ponies, who, who's been your mentor, or do you have a mentor in the process, or somebody that you look up to, or you you trust? When uh, when seeking advice, um, I read a lot, and, and and honestly, as long as you can wade through some of the crap on Twitter, there's some good guys on Twitter that put some stuff together. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about a handful of guys. Um, first and foremost is a retired professional gambler, uh, Tommy Masses. Um, the hammer. The hammer. The hammer, right? So um, yeah. last year, sometime, um, I started communicating with him and. He got a group of us together and was helping us just learn about better ticket structure. It was, it was a group of guys that had a pretty darn good clue about how to read forms, but he was trying to teach us how to how to press opinions and not put out these big um, caveman tickets to try to get the score, to let the pick five basically work for you. And... And so he, he helped that a lot. Um, he got me into doing replays um, uh, late last year, early this year. And um, I watched uh, just about every race at Churchill Downs. Wow. And um, 
because yeah, I mean, Keeneland ate my lunch and early Churchill ate my lunch. But the more and more I watched replays and those horses started coming back, I was able to get some of that back later at Churchill. Um, had some had some really nice scores. And then um, I tried doing Ellis, but man, that camera, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like and, and, caught, in a, caught in a hurricane. Yeah, you know, and, um, and I got to say that if you uh, us as Churchill players watching a lot of replays, we're very blessed with the way they do split screen. Um, there's not that many tracks that do a split screen on the replay, so you can watch the whole um, herd move. Uh, and that, and that's huge. Who's making a middle move? Who's checking? Um, you can't see that on almost any other track. Um, especially Ellis, because they keep flipping back and forth between the wide angle and the leaders. Wide angle leaders, you're like, I have no idea what's going on in this race until they come around the far turn into the stretch. Um, so, uh, very Churchill, if you want to focus on replays, Churchill is a great place to learn how to do that and, and get some really good replay work in. I don't watch replays at other tracks um, outside the Kentucky circuit because I would try to focus what I do, you know. I was able to uh, hit this cross-country pick five on some tracks that I don't normally play, but it was horses that I was somewhat familiar with, jockeys and trainers, so that helped a lot. Um, yeah, can read the form, too, so that I got got fortunate there. Um, let's see. Other people that, that I like um, to um, bounce ideas off of and learn ticker structure is um, a guy named Nico. Um, I think he was on the Jason Beam show um, last month or two. He and I played. He 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 was in that group with me with with the hammer, and um, we were able to. You know, I played some tickets with him. You know, he and I would just bounce tickets off each other, and um, sometimes we would you know do the Venmo thing. But it, it was he was always so contrary. I'm like, I'm looking at a sequence. I'm like, how are you picking these horses? Like I remember, I thought for sure that I had my zigzag right and I was going to go right through a sequence. And he, I showed him the ticket. He's like, that's cool. And then later he showed me his and he's like, yeah, I'm opposing you right here. So good luck. Um, and he was trying to get to a price horse at the end um, where I was taken um, a favorite in the middle. Well, he didn't go favored and nailed one in the middle of the sequence, but then the, the bomb didn't get home, but it was still that started instilling in me to um, to you, you know look for that vulnerable favorite and, and see where you can use two or three other horses in that leg to to get some value there, and then you can lean on the on the chalk, which is what I did in this cross country. You know, I leaned on EQ. You know, and as I said, I did have a parallel ticket going for a real scoop. Um, uh, um, with a 50 cent base instead of a dollar. By the way, it is a 50 cent base ticket. I did. I played it for a dollar, and okay. the reason I the reason I played it for a dollar was because of something that Inside the Pylons talks about, and and Jason Beam has talked about it on his show. It's okay if you like a favorite, single it, and move on, and if you've got the bankroll, up the base when you're playing it with that with that um, particular favorite and and you know something that tommy is like you know it's you know he's like it's okay to lose a ticket 
you know, all the tickets you play that day don't have to be a winner in the end. You can have some that fall off, and that's where you play it for different bases. Let's say that you like three favorites in a row, um, and you're like, I'm just going to play these three favorites, and I'm going to do a little a little spread on some horses I think are going to win on the end. Let's say you got um, six horses total, you know, a three and a three. Um, so three times three is nine. So you can put that as a, a $10 base, and it's only a $90 ticket, and you hit it 20 times. Well, let's say it pays 1000 bucks. Well, he's got $20,000. So anyway, that's, that's part of the ticket structure, you know. So um, inside the pylons, Tommy Hammer, listen to Jason Beam. So he, he throws some different ticket structure ideas out there. And then Nico um, from Tampa. All those guys have, have given me some good contrary. You know, and one of the hosts of this fabulous show, Alan, is also oh. pretty daggone contrary. I, I don't um, do it enough. But thank you. Yeah, but you. Well, let me put it this way. You have some contrary ideas, but you don't always put your money where the contrary idea is. Right. Um, we've talked about that before mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and sitting with UCC in the gold room and, and talking tickets and, you know, you and I played, you and I had a sequence where, um, we both had similar tickets and you're like, Hey, let's put together a contrary and try to fade this favorite and hit. Let's see if it, if it blows up, it blows up. Who cares? We're going to win over here on these other ones. Yeah, um, we haven't hit one so, yet though. Uh, we tried, we tried, who was it? We tried to beat and the horse just destroyed everybody. I don't remember. Maxfield. I'm pretty sure it's Maxfield. <laughs> yeah. Maxfield is out there trotting and everybody else has got their tongues out. Well, Maxfield's just destroying him by however many. I was like, okay, that was a bad contrary ticket. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to introduce you to a, uh, a player that probably, uh, he's light years ahead of us. His name's Brandon Jaggers. <laughs> <laughs> he has developed this system where you can go five by four by five in a pick three. Mm. You don't always hit it, but you got a lot of coverage. <laughs> 50 cent pick threes. De jure. What do you think about that? What do you think about that, Rob? Is this thing working? Um, Is this thing working? No. All all that takeout. (laughs) That's the other thing about a lot of the pick five sequences is takeouts usually 15%-ish. Depends what you're playing, you know. Someone was busting my chops uh, because yesterday on the Sunday, I played the late Delmar, and it's like it's the worst takeout for a pick five. And I shouldn't be in the pool, but it looked juicy to me. Um, so I went after it and I missed we were talking, I had a $2 pick five, um, that I paid, I don't know, 48 bucks for it was, and I was, and I was live to the last leg it, and I had the right idea with it. Um, uh, but yeah, it, the, it was too, it got too chalky in the front end. And honestly, I shouldn't be playing that late sequence. I should play the early sequence, which has a much lower takeout. You know, my problem is with, with Del Mar is by the time I get to Del Mar, they're already on the sixth race. So I, I get a late start on it anyway. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's funny you say that. Is I, I had fully intended to play um, the cross-country pick five, the Saratoga late pick five, and then the early Del Mar. But I got I just I just got distracted for some reason and I didn't get to Del Mar um, on Saturday. I had the card printed out and I was ready to ready to look at it to, to, to go after one of the sequences. And uh, I was like, hell no, I ain't even looking at it. I'm not even looking at a card anymore. I got to watch a movie and chill out. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I didn't make it to Del Mar on Saturday. Uh, I, I do like, you know, people 
jump up and down about California racing, but man, I, I do enjoy the Del Mar turf racing. Um, you know, and an angle that I picked on, picked up on so far, this, this meet, um, if somebody, if, uh, Pratt, Rispoli or Bravo, um, are in the turf race, um, and they've got a, a decent horse, you better be leaning in. And I agree. Just candid offers, you know, just candid, no actual numbers in front of me. Bravo has got Rispoli a number. Um, I I have needed Rispoli to come through in the turf for me, and here comes Joe Bravo. I'm like, God dang you, man. So, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, all right, I'm picking up on this trend. Um, and, and the track is that, that particular track has been playing pretty true. You know, the, the bias is there. If you pick up on the bias and you're looking at the bias in your form and, and listen to the guys talk, you can, you can get it. You know, uh, dirt sprints outside horses have been winning the majority of them, unless you just got a, a speed ball on the rail. Um, otherwise you better be taking some outside horses and it's been very consistent. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I've just got maybe three questions for you that I've written down here. Um, Rob, will you buy me a new laptop is number one. Um, uh, number two, Stephanie. will you buy me a new iPad? <laughs> and number three, can you float me like $1,000 for the weekend? It's a big weekend. Whitney, Saratoga, Ellis Park's got a bunch of nice races. Uh, I just want to maybe get through Sunday. I can't promise you I'll pay you back, as Alan can attest to. But, uh, get out of here. You get out of here. Well, I I, uh, I um, appreciate the um, asking politely, but I'll have to say no because um, I have a jewelry store appointment later this week. Oh, um, yeah, for for, for Miss Stephanie, she um she uh, she since she got me hooked, she said, you know, I obviously deserve something out of this since I'm the one that got you into this. Right. So uh, you know, well, we did a little little jewelry shopping this week, and uh, and I wrote a check to um, pay off the balance of my on my little Ford Escape, so. So you're putting the money um, to good use, then, right? You're putting I the money to good use. I am putting it to good use. You know, I, you know, I, I've always been a preacher of, you know, be fiscally responsible. You know, live within your means. You know, and, and I got divorced a couple, three years ago, so you know, I ended up with a car loan that I don't usually have, and I'm like, you know, it's really good to be to be able to practice what I preach to my children, um, and when young people are asking me for advice um, on, on how to live. I, I can live it and um, yeah, I'm putting it to good use or I'm, I'm not booking a, uh, a $53,000 vacation. So <laughs> we're, I'm fun. doing, I'm doing the right thing. Oh yeah. Well, it would be a blast, but then I'd still come back and not be able to not be able to live to how I want to live. So yeah, it's all good. Um, I'm looking forward to the gold room, man. Got some stories to tell whenever we get back up there. You got that right. Lastly, uh, last thing, uh, congratulations, Rob, on a, on a big score. Well deserved. Thanks, man. Appreciate and, it. Uh, Alan, uh, before we cut it loose, uh, any questions for Rob before we before we head head to the house? I don't know. I mean, he's too famous now. I'm almost, I mean, he's <laughs> he's gotten all this respect and love across social media planes and stuff, and well deserved. So I'm just hey, honored yeah. him in our in, in his in our presence and <laughs> stuff right now. He's got a lot. Now the thing, he's got to start to live up to it again. You know, he's probably gotten probably what, another thousand followers. So, you know, people are going to expect this from you on a more regular basis, Rob. Right. We know it's tough. Here comes, here we know it's tough. You, 
<laughs> you know, all the friends and, and acquaintances that have congratulated me were awesome. And I sent you guys that DM this morning when Steve Bike sent, you know, responded to the hit. I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, Especially if, since when he comes out Steve and says it. Yeah. Is it, is it Bike or Bick? How do you say Bick. his name? Steve Bick. 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 All right. I'm sorry. Steve Bick. I'm sorry, sir. At the races. Um, it's Naira, whatever. I hardly ever. Anyhow. I'm a Kentucky guy. Um, awesome. uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, oh, hey, you know, one last thing. Um, have you guys been on Twitter today? Probably not. I've, I've been at not work much. all day. Not our much. our our friend Sack is oh, now yeah. a gold a gold room member. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, she's promoted to the gold room. Jeez, oh, I I got to beg to get in there. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it's going to get crowded up there on the balcony now. Oh, that's for sure. That's where she's up there. But everybody loves Sack, so. Oh yeah. Awesome. Should be should we sign an autographs? Invite her to the hoop, nanny. <laughs> I'd like to meet this. Uh, <laughs> Cece has never met Sack. Believe it or not, we've had her on the show a few I, times. I've, I've never met her. Never what? met her. It's just the way things have went. One you know, you know, because he never leaves the balcony except to walk out to section 317 and watch the race, and he walks right back to his seat. That you is gotta true. Go, you got to go down with the little people sometimes, man. You just can't be living in your gold room all the time. I, I, I think she purposely avoids her, or excuse me, avoids me, and I don't blame her, I don't blame her a bit. So <laughs> Smart woman, right? Smart woman. Right. Uh, yeah, I met Sack years ago. Um, her and her husband were one of my first customers when I had my HVAC service company. Um, so oh, I, I've known, yeah, I've known Sack a long time. Yep. Wonderful lady. Wonderful lady. All right, let's wrap it up. So uh, uh, for episode 65, this is CC Broadus on behalf of Alan Schneider and the newly minted. King of the cross-country pick five, Rob Benefiel, signing off, reminding you, Rob, that gambling money ain't got no home.